We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Today, Alex and I will be joined by a guest. We have Ben Zweiman uh, of DK Nation joining us to talk about... Uh, wide variety of topics, far more uh, than we even anticipated. Uh, but Ben has a, a ton of industry knowledge, uh, having worked under the DraftKings umbrella for a number of years. He's currently the managing editor for DK Nation. So really, he's been as clued in on this season as anyone in the industry, had a ton of knowledge to share with us. Uh, he does a lot of writing, a lot of breaking down props and, and, and certain bets each night of the NBA season. So really, really fun chat with Ben. We appreciate him taking the time. It went a little bit longer than we expected. Not at all a bad thing. Um, spent a little bit more time uh, breaking down the MVP race, which is really fascinating. Got into most improved player um, and some other futures bets that, that we've been kind of tracking on the DraftKings Sportsbook. So I think you really enjoy it. And with that, let's get to Ben. In the hands of Waiters, three seconds left for three in the win. Yes! We are pleased to be joined by Ben Wyman, managing editor at DK Nation, of course, under the DraftKings umbrella. Uh, ben, we've been going back and forth trying to set this up for the last few weeks. Uh, really glad that it worked out. 
No, yeah, yeah. I, I came on last season, and we had a lot of fun. Um, I think we talked a little bit about uh, some college hoops, uh, a little bit with Wisconsin, because you're up in Wisconsin, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be I'm glad to be back on the show. Uh, I just, just actually recovered from COVID, which wasn't fun. Right. Um, that's sort of why that's sort of why everything got stalled. But yeah, I'm I'm really glad to be on. Yeah, I, I didn't want to disclose that. We had talked about it um, on the I mean, last couple of pods because like, we had teased that you were going to come on last week. Then I was like, uh, uh, yeah, ben, you... uh, ben just couldn't make it for some reason. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's fine. Like, it happens. Like, yeah. it, you don't yeah, want to brag I, about I got... surviving COVID. But... Oh, no, no <laughs> not really. But, like, I, it was tough with work, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's just it, – it, and, so, and it impacts everyone, and it's just such a big thing right now. And like again, I don't want to. I don't want to preach awareness and whatnot, but like it's real and like wear a mask and all that stuff. Like I'll just throw that out there really fast. But yeah, it was tough with work, like middle of the season. Um, but yeah, we're good now, and I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk some hoops. Yeah, never an ideal time to have it, but but certainly in the middle of the NBA season, um, probably one of the worst times. But either way, we're glad to have you here. Um, you mentioned we're up in Wisconsin. You're actually a, a transplanted Packers fan. Um, indeed one, how did you, can you give me a quick refresher on, on how that came to be? And, and two, where's your mental state at now, uh, versus a couple of weeks ago when we first started chatting. And I think at that point, the Packers were just preparing to play Tampa Bay. Right. Um, so Brett, I'm Brett Farr fan pretty much, um, early age, hard to really like narrow down the origin of it all. I tell people that I won a Brett Favre plaque at a town fair, which is <laughs> Very, I know it's really yeah, random. I'm sure that's how a lot of people get into Packers. <laughs> but like, I, it's it was the mid '90s, right? Like a lot of a lot of my friends call me a '90s front runner because I'm also a Bulls fan and a Yankees fan. Um, obviously, Yankees is more geographical, and my dad um, was a big is a big Yankees fan. Um, but like Bulls, MJ, it was just a '90s kid kind of thing. I was like the ultimate '90s kids fan. So the Packers were kind. That was like the Brett Favre. Like they played the. They, they beat the Pats in the Super Bowl, and then they played John Elway in the Super Bowl. So, I I mean, I remember those. I remember rooting for them in those Super Bowls. So, I was like, I since then, around the mid-90s, I've been a Packers fan. I think I think as long as you, like, you, you hop on the bandwagon and you stay on it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, as long as you're not constantly switching back and forth all the teams that you like. No, no. Like... Really, the only thing that happened, the only the only team, the only sport I did it with was actually basketball. Like after MJ retired, um, and then he went to the Wizards, and then he, you know, retired again. And then you kind of had the baby bulls in the early like 2000s, and like the Marcus Pfizer draft pick and all that. <laughs> and I was just like, I sort of rooted for the Pistons when they had um, Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and Chauncey Billups and those teams, and then. Like the baby bulls came around with Ben Gordon and Chris Duhon and all those guys, and it was kind of like it was it was like they were exciting. They they had they had their moments. Um, and then yeah, I kind of just stuck it out. And then D Rose came around, and the Bulls kind of picked it back up. And yeah, but like again, I was never the type of fan that would just like abandon my team like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, circling back to the Packers Bucks game, where are you at <laughs> mentally now after that beatdown? <laughs> uh still numb i mean if you're like you're a packers like you guys like it's it's the same it's the same stuff right it's it's every year it seems at this point like i mean this one was tough way tough this one was probably the toughest loss since what the seahawks um the onside kick i I I think so i think so (laughs) just just because i mean there's something to be said for 
you know, just having the game on a platter for you, you know, and uh, the Kevin King stuff aside, you know, if you had said Tom Brady's going to come into Lambeau field, throw three crushing interceptions and the Packers are still going to lose that game. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know what would have to happen in my mind. I guess that w- I guess it would be giving up a Hail Mary before the half and immediately fumbling to begin the second half. But um, this, in my mind, this was much worse than, than some of those like more one-sided losses to like Atlanta and San Francisco. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Cause it's, you, the, the Packers went down and you're kind of like, eh, well, they're going to hang around. And then they, they show signs of life. And then Brady's just like serving it up on a silver platter. Like here, here's the ball guys go down the field and, and score and, and take the lead. And it just, it just never happened. And I, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't too upset about them not going for it on fourth. No, me neither. Late, because I'm trying to remember the game just because I, I, tr- I try to block it out because these losses are really tough. Um, if it's too traumatic, don't feel like you have to. <laughs> yeah, but what was what was the call on that Bucks? There wasn't there like a call, the pass interference call, right? Yeah, well, there's that that like. Uh, oh undershirt grab by king on godwin right yeah and everyone's like uh that's kind of ticky tacky because if that if that doesn't get called packers get the ball back you have aaron Rodgers. Right. i think he has like a minute or so at least a minute and that's all he needs so True. again i don't know i wasn't too upset over the non um over not going it on going for it on fourth down but it's over like i'm i'm to the age where the like i just can't beat myself up over this kind of stuff right. anymore no, that's true. Even like freshman year of college, this would have been like a three to four month grieving process. <laughs> oh, this time, this time it was only like three or four days. Well, what I was in, I was in college for what the Super Bowl when I was in college, which was yep. nice. But then, um, one of the losses to the one of the losses to the Cardinals, I think. Oh, the Giants lost when the Packers went 15 and one, and then just got yep. just demolished at home in the second round to the Giants. And I went to West Virginia. You, Nick, you know this, Alex. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of like New York, New Jersey transplants in West Virginia. And, I, and the bar I was at was filled with Giants fans. And it was I left at halftime. I think I couldn't take it. I, it was miserable. It was awful. Unfortunately, right. I was at that game, which was you not were. great. Yeah, no it was freezing cold. Yeah, of all it's kind of a terrible experience all around. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've hit the over on Marcus Pfizer mentions already. Uh, <laughs> let, let's let's fast forward to to present day NBA. Um, so, like we said at the top end, managing editor DK Nation. Uh, I was looking through your archive on the DK website. There are 280 pages worth of articles, and each page has like eight to ten articles. I don't I don't want to do the math on that right now. You've been pumping out a ton of content. That's what that equates to. Um, you know, what, what have you been doing kind of day to day? Uh, you know, what is your role right now as, as far as what you guys are covering, what you guys are trying to get out to people that are playing fantasy or, or specifically playing on DraftKings? Well, so I'll first start that um, if you're familiar with DraftKings playbook, that has been integrated into DraftKings Nation. So a lot of what we do is more just general con, like just everything. We do everything. Um, so I focus a lot in MBA. We do a lot with the spreads. Um, we do picks for some of the big games each night. Um, we've been doing a lot of. I do a lot of updates with um, with the futures uh, lines, just like MVP, rookie of the year. So every every week I'm doing an update on MVP. Um, every, I had been doing rookie rankings um, and rookie of the year sort of updates, but that's kind of it's getting it's getting to the point where it's a little stale, but. Yeah, I mean, we just work really closely with DraftKings Sportsbook, and they give us a lot of cool information and 
you know, they try and we try and promote the wines as much as humanly possible. And yeah, I mean, we do, we do a little bit of everything. Um, we even tackle like viral stuff. Um, so like the Super Bowl, like all that craziness that happened, like we just do a little bit of everything. And, um, at the same time, like playbook backs us up and, and they've always been doing like the DFS picks and now they're promoting the snake draft kind of stuff for NBA, which is really cool. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, um, it and the websites, what we've been going strong for, I feel like it's been a little, it's like around two years now and we've grown, we've grown tremendously in those two years and it's been a lot of fun, um, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, obviously, RotoWire is is intertwined uh, in some ways with DraftKings as well, uh, with a lot of content deals. So it, it's been really cool to see you guys take off. Um, you had the IPO last year that you know has gone really well and has gone even better since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you personally, like what what is your breakdown as far as what you're spending your time and money on? You know, in the fantasy betting world, like are are you in a bunch of season long leagues? Do you mostly play DFS? You know, are you are you looking at futures, short term bets, like? How do you kind of divide your attention uh, day to day or week to week? I do a little bit of everything. Um, so I'm I'm in a couple of season long leagues. Uh, one that I started up with some buddies just because I was like I didn't I wasn't doing as much season long because I'd always been a really really big um, DFS um, player, especially like when I was working for DraftKings because now I work for Vox. Um, I worked three years for DraftKings and DFS is huge within the company. It's it's everyone plays. Um, there's tournaments within the company. I don't know if I'm supposed to be like this, but like they play in, they play in like private, a private league essentially with employees. I think Nick and I went over this, um, the last time I was on, but, uh, I was really into DFS when I was at DraftKings. So I was playing constantly. And like when you're working and you're following the news, like all day long and you're like, okay, like you, all the plays are right there for you. So it was a lot of fun doing that. Um, now I do, I, since I'm, I'm back in New Jersey, so I'm in a state that, um, I can legally, um, bet in. So since I moved back, uh, I, I do a lot of player props. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I do, I do too much betting. Um, I like to wait till the playoffs. I feel like, especially with how like the NBA has been the last like year or so, uh, the playoffs was like almost the most pure like form of basketball that we've seen. Like, I know the fans and everything that, like, makes an impact, but, like, in the bubble, it, it seemed like everyone was so locked in. So, I like I like playing the player props market. Um, sometimes I dabble in futures, but it's mostly, like, player prop stuff. Like, if, if I'll, I'll hop on lines, too. Like, again, like, you guys are news hawks. I'm sure you guys are, like, monitoring stuff constantly. Like, that's pretty much how I go about everything. Um Do- do you feel like these, like you mentioned you're in a couple season long leagues. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like the, I mean, all the COVID uh, like absences and cancellations, do you feel like that's kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say like hindered your like fun in the season long leagues, but like for me, for example, and I think I've talked about this with Nick as well, it, even at this point in the season, it's sometimes it's tough to tell like if your team is actually good or not, because you have to look like, well, well, you know, Drew Holiday's on my team, always oh, about to miss, miss, miss a bunch of time or um, you know, you're always on the waiver wire looking for these guys. Um, I, I guess, how has that affected your your enjoyment of the season-long fantasy? Yeah, it, it started out early on. I was having a lot of a lot of fun with it because I'm playing with some college buddies. We haven't really done like a competitive league in a while, and at the beginning, I was very. But yeah, it's like once the postponement started. Like, thankfully, I mean, looking at my like, I don't have I didn't have anyone on the Wizards. 
for that entire streak <laughs> right. where they like just didn't play for like a month. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Like, honestly, I'm in a lot of hockey leagues too, and it's been really rough with postponements. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely drains the fun out of it a little bit. Um, and like you said, with the waiver wire stuff, like you got to throw guys on IR. Like, I mean, it's not like anyone really planned. It's like, we sort of planned for it. Like, I think I implemented a couple more, um, injured list spots, but like, if you got like three or four guys where like their games are postponed, um, it's tough. It's tough to maneuver stuff. So unless you like did a really good job drafting at the beginning of the, like if you did a really good job, job drafting and you lucked into some like sleeper guys, um, you're probably in okay shape, but if you didn't and you got to like move your roster around a lot, like it's really difficult to navigate. So yeah, I mean, I think it takes, it definitely takes away from the, the season long experience a lot. It's almost like the NBA isn't planning around fantasy websites and DFS. Like it's just the, <laughs> the lack of concern for our day-to-day lives has been appalling this year. I mean, this is, this is, you know, super in the weeds type of stuff, but like, you know, a lot of our projections and stats and whatnot that we do throughout the year on Rotowire are all based on, you know, the 82 game schedule, which we get, you know, usually in like what October, uh, maybe even earlier. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can load that into your system. You, you know, you're basing everything off of these games, off of matchup numbers. Like as of right now, the NBA season ends on March 4th because we don't have the second half of the schedule. So, you know, our tech guys have, have kind of had to jump through a lot of hoops to, adjust projections and, you know, do all of that without even having a second half schedule. Obviously we have games that have been postponed. They're going to need to be made up. Uh, the all-star game is just materializing out of nowhere. It sounds like that's going to happen in less than a month. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that whole saga, uh, which I, I think is going to be ongoing until the game, which I believe is scheduled for March 6th or March 7th, whatever that March, Sunday is. So yeah, they're, they're expected to play it on March 7th. That Sunday. Honestly, I don't think it get. I don't think they're going to play. Um, really? Like, well, if if you've, I, I think if they you've will. seen if you've seen what they've talked about, if they're gonna play, they're gonna play that game without a lot of big names. LeBron's already said he's not like hyped for like no one's really excited for an All Star game with everything that's going on. It doesn't seem like a very safe thing to do with how the league has sort of handled um, COVID and everything. And like it's gotten, I'll give them credit, it's gotten better over the last like you know month or so. But I mean, you're still you're still seeing guys pop up late. That whole Kevin Durant thing was a disaster um, last week, uh, where he somehow was with a guy who tested positive, and he was with them. Like it's just a, a complete mess. How does he get on the court? And then when he gets on the court, how do you pull him and then let everyone else finish the game? Um, so I don't know. I I think and I don't know if you guys saw what Carl Anthony Towns said late last night after yeah. the Timberwolves game. Um, that was pretty eye-opening because he was like, like he had it bad, and he, you know, said that there were a lot of scary nights. And if I'm someone like that, like, and again, he's an all-star, right? He's one of the, you know, probably like what top top 25 player in the league. Um, but yeah, it's it's when he starts talking about it, and he's like, I don't know, no, one, no one's really excited for an all-star game. Um, it's it can it can have a trick because the players have so much power in the NBA. It's all about the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and LeBron and Giannis have already come out and talked about it. And if LeBron's going to be this like trendsetter for this whole thing, and a lot of players are just going to like back out of the game, then I don't like. What are they playing it for? It's not like they're going to pack the. It's not like they're going to pack an arena. It's not like they're going to have celebrities and you know music artists and like 
all that kind of stuff that really makes NBA All-Star Weekend such a fun experience. Like, I love NBA All-Star Weekend. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Um, so I feel like trying to force it with what's going on now um, would kind of be a weird. It, I don't. I don't. I don't really agree with it, and I, I. I'm totally backing the players in what they're doing. So we'll see. I mean, it's it, there's going to be a lot of players like you know, like your Zach Levines and your, you know, guys, guys like Jalen Brown, like that don't always make an All Star game and that want to Julius Randle, um, guys like that, that you know, you'll kind of feel bad for, but at the same time, like you got to think of the bigger picture, I guess. Are you someone who normally? Uh, bets on the all-star game in any capacity or is that just too <laughs> is that just too in the weeds for you um a little bit um like dunk i like contest i mean winner dunk dunk contest and like three point like i'd bet on that i'd bet on the saturday night events more so than the actual game yeah i would think if anything i'm betting in game um for the all-star game right like See how see how see how it goes. Maybe bet like a bet like a first half or something like that. Like I don't know. Especially like last year was last year's All Star game was was didn't they like redo the format for last year and yep. it was actually really really good. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Elam ending. It, was like... uh, it actually ended with with Anthony Davis hitting a free throw, but before that it was all. I mean it was back and forth. I think neither team could hit anything, and then you know finally Team LeBron, which was completely stacked, was able to get to the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did that whole Kobe thing, right? Where, like, you had to win by, or what was it? It was some, had something to do with like 24 or eight in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think I, they played something like first to 24 in each quarter. I, I don't remember exactly. I, I was actually there, mm-hmm. but it was it was nuts. People loved it. Like everybody was, in the arena was, was standing for, you know, the last five to ten minutes of like actual time. I mean, it was there was a lot of confusion around me. I, I think a lot of the casual fans who were there had no idea what was going on. I remember some guy leaning over to me and being like, why is the clock off? Like, dude, have you looked at the clock once the <laughs> entire game? Like this has not been a normal game. Um, but yeah, it, it does kind of feel like maybe the NBA to me is trying to, to avoid like losing some of the momentum that they built with that game because it went so well. But I, I think one thing that's so unique about the NBA all-star game compared to other sports and specifically the NFL talking about the pro bowl is that in general, the players want to be there. They love being there. You know, mm-hmm. superstar players show up to watch the three-point shootout, to watch the dunk contest on Saturday night. You know, they, no matter where it is, whether it's, you know, zero degrees Chicago or 80 degrees Miami, like, they want to be there. It's an honor. You know, guys aren't trying to back out of it like with the Pro Bowl. And now and now that, you know, given the circumstances, you have all the premier players basically being like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll go if I have to. That that kind of takes away from what a lot of what makes All-Star Weekend so great. No, yeah, I I agree completely, and it's it's easily the best product of any All Star game, um, out of all like the four major sports, and like you said, it's all it's all about the players, and the players love it, and like the fans love it, and and we love it, and I I just I just don't want I really don't want to like. I don't want to go into that like weekend and like that night because right now they're just saying like oh they're gonna do a dunk contest at halftime or something and then play the game like so it's just gonna be one day it's not even gonna be like a whole weekend kind of thing so I don't know I I I'd rather they I'd rather they just like okay let's like you know take a mulligan for the season hopefully like you know things sort of get back to normal next season and we go from there because it's not like any of these superstars are going anywhere right like. 
It's not like it's not like LeBron's gonna suddenly retire after this season, and we're not gonna get another All Star game with LeBron. For all we know, we're gonna get another like decades worth of All Star games with LeBron because he's right. gonna play till he's like 55. He's he's midway through his career right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the RotoWire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with RotoWire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six-month RotoWire subscription when you placed your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R-O-T-O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of RotoWire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada and 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Let's look at some some prop bets first before we, uh, you know, kind of closely examine some futures. But just in general, you know, you're writing up your favorite props every day. We, we do a similar series that Alex publishes every day on Rotowire, you know, where we kind of just have a roundtable of, you know, send your your one or two favorite bets for the day um, and we'll track those. Have you found certain specific props that you're gravitating toward? Uh, are you are you betting more, you know, totals or, or spreads versus actual player props? Are there teams? Are there players that you find yourself gravitating toward? Um, what what has been your process? You know, as we're around the the one third mark, I think in the season. So, like I said before, I'm always on top of the news. So a lot of I don't bet spreads too often. Um, a lot of the times, I'll just sort of if I'm gonna bet anything beforehand, it needs to be like big. It needs to be like decent value. Um, you know, it needs to be something where like like an injury, an injury sort of lining up where like, okay, this spreads like way too high. Like this team should be able to keep it all a lot closer than this kind of um, spread. But I mean, props again, it's, it's, you're, you're trying to beat the books, right? You're trying to beat the books to the numbers. So a lot of the times it's reacting to big, um, big injuries and, and whatnot. Um, I found a lot of value in the three point props just because, I mean, generally you're not going to be able to get great numbers um on like you know guy like points props and rebounds assists double double stuff like that um a lot of the times especially in like today's nba world like teams just don't play def- most teams just don't play defense and a lot of the times we're seeing a lot of blowouts and we're seeing teams put up like 120 130 points um and you get guys like guys like chris middleton which like he's he, he's one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA and like on most nights you'll see his prop three-point props at like around two and a half and generally in in good game environments and good matchups he's going to be able to get at least three three-pointers so and a lot of the times you're getting juice on it you're getting him at like plus 120 
at that number, um, which is really interesting. Um, and again, it's risky, but like if you if you like crafting player prop parlays and stuff like that, um, and you can find a lot of favorable spots with with certain players, it's it's fun to just throw those three like like let's make it interesting. Throw a three point prop into the into that mix. Um, I don't know if you guys are more risk averse and you know you sort of stick to stick to numbers that are like more favorable but i don't know i like i like i don't i don't really bet for a living right like i i just like i just sort of give people um recommendations and and monitor the news and stuff like that so i like to have fun with it i feel like if you're not having fun with like you have to have fun with it every now and then i mean i i get it for the people that like it's their livelihood but you know if you're just a casual better like yeah let's 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 play around a little bit yeah, it feels like for NBA at least there there is so like most of the value is tied into the injury news, right? Like if you have mm-hmm. Twitter open on one tab and the DraftKings sportsbook open on the other tab, and you you know you see someone's out, it's like you're instantly trying to get the line um, that 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 tilts you know one team in favor of. Um, and it's the same with the props too. Like you mentioned, a lot of times I feel like those don't adjust as quickly. Um, you know, sometimes they get pulled, but I feel like that's where you find value. Where if you know, a random player, like if, uh, you know, if Blake Griffin is out, you know, you have a pretty big sample of what happens there. Or if someone, you know, like there are on off court stats that you can use, like if, you know, like Drew Holiday has been out and you can kind of look at like, well, Dante DiVincenzo, you know, prop bets and stuff like that. I feel like that's where most of the value is. If you're betting, you know, if you look at the like right before tip um, at a spread or an over under, I feel like there's not probably going to be a ton of value there to that's going to be more than a coin flip for you. No, yeah, yeah. You're you're really going to you're going to be able to get the value if you're either reacting before the end cuz a lot of the times like I th- I think there was and this didn't really hit but I was I was sort of the Celtics had Jalen Brown what? It was it was the other night against the Jazz. I was like Celtics are getting like 6 points or something like that on the road. And the Celtics haven't really been playing great, so I should have really I should have kind of taken that into consideration but and the jazz have been one of the best teams in the nba but the jazz were also without mike conley so i'm like all right jazz are down mike conley jalen brown is questionable right now the celtics are getting like six point seven points like i think for i think they were hanging around in that game and then the jazz kind of just pulled away in the second half um but that's a spot where like all right well if jalen brown's gonna play this line's gonna move at least a point or two right so yeah a lot of the times you can just like through your thought process like get get an edge on some of the lines and it can be risky because for all we know you know Jalen Brown gets ruled out and you know you're you're kind of screwed there um, because I mean the Celtics Celtics sort of got blown out anyway but without Jalen Brown had 33 points in the game if he doesn't play that game's just completely out of reach um, but again like that's sort of the risk game that you're playing uh, with getting getting ahead of lines like that. And it's it's been tough. Like I've gotten burned a lot. I got I don't know if you guys remember. Like it was like a month or so ago when, like the Heat and this the Heat had no players and the Sixers had no players. Mm-hmm. And like it was Sixers were like right there like against a Heat team that had no like no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo, no anyone. And like they get somehow Gabe Vincent comes out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> and is like playing out of his skull and and and. Somehow the Heat cover, like, I don't I think I had, like, Sixers, like, minus, like, double digits, like, 10. I was like, yeah. there's no way the Sixers lose this. Like, the Sixers are going to win this game by, like, 20 points, right? They're playing, like, 
the the Heat's G League team or something, and somehow it just goes the opposite way. I've got burned a couple of times with that this season, and you just mm-hmm. you just shake your head. You're just like, I don't know how this I don't know how this happens. It does feel like there's been an uptick in weird results like that, and especially early on. I think things have started to stabilize a little bit, and we're starting to see a lot of the teams that we expected to be, you know, one through five in each conference. That's kind of how it's shaking out. But early on, I mean, teams like Milwaukee, you know, in our home market, I, I think we watched the Bucks probably more than any other team by default. And I mean, they, the last couple of years, I think what's made the Bucks so good during the regular season is they almost never lost to an inferior team. You know, all their losses either came when when Giannis was hurt or Middleton was out or you know maybe a team would catch them every now and then. But they almost always took care of business. I mean, anytime they were playing like a bottom 10 team, it felt like they were up 20 at halftime and, and Giannis was done by the end of the third quarter. And, and this year, just maybe part of it is is some of the changes within the Bucks. But I mean, they, they took a really weird like blowout loss to the Knicks early on. They, they took a loss to the Cavs. Um, it, it just feels like overall we're seeing a, l- a little bit more. I, I hesitate to say parity because I, I still think there are, there is you know a big difference between the good teams and the bad teams. But we're, we're seeing these you know these teams that at least on paper should be overmatched. It feels like they've been able to hang around a little bit more than normal. And and maybe maybe some of that is the you know the lack of a of a true home court. No, yeah, it's it's got to be something like that. Um, I do think, like you said, it has stabilized a little bit. But I mean, even just looking, like the the Bucks are the Bucks are sixteen and nine after that loss to the Suns um, last night. And I don't like you got to like they should be a lot better, right, on paper with Drew Holiday than Eric Bledsoe, and they picked up Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes, and they seem like they have a little bit more depth than they did before. And you would think that. This like this team should be like what like I'm trying to do the math like 23 like at least like 20 21 22 and like four or five right they sh- at this point yeah. you would think that this this Bucks team should be that but they just I I don't know what it is I mean like like you said like Drew Holiday's missed what the past two games um because yeah. of health protocols and I don't think they've really had too many injuries early on in the season um, but yeah it just feels like there's there's it's a lot it's it's a lot weirder during the regular season it's not and I, I actually I think it's kind of it's it's kind of nice um we're not seeing any teams really run away with anything at this point um right if you look in each conference really from like like outside of what like the top like two or three seeds in each conference you have a ton of teams grouped together like if you look at like the east for instance the nets are what four four games behind the sixers and then the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers are only four and a half games behind the Nets, and they're what all the way like they're at they're the fourth team, fourth team out in the playoff picture in the East. So, I mean, some of these teams aren't that great, but the conferences are really competitive, and that's sort of been an issue for the NBA during the regular season is that the regular season just isn't really that competitive, um, and we're seeing more like. Not necessarily bad teams, but like teams that have sort of improved and teams that are playing a little bit um, harder. And again, maybe it may have something to do with like, like all the injuries and all the players sitting out. And again, a lot of a lot, that there's no real home court advantage, which is which is playing a factor. Yeah, I think I think the NBA was already having a hard enough time finding like two games a night to like convince everyone to watch. And now mm-hmm. with like all the COVID injuries and stuff like that. It it be it does become really difficult when there's like it feels like every you know it feels like every 
uh, one out of every two nationally televised games has like some star out for some reason. And that happens anyway, but it's even more so with like COVID now. Um, but I think, I think parody is good ultimately for the NBA. Like I, I think, you know, I know that the dominant teams drive storylines and everything like that, but I, it probably will make for better, at least playoff basketball, which is what people tune into anyway. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think we'll 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 definitely see, see things tighten up in the postseason. It always happens. So um, I don't know if we'll ne- like I don't know if we'll necessarily see like as I mean I'd like to see the best teams play play the best teams right in the, in the right in the playoffs. I know it's kind of cliche, but like last season in the bubble, you had this Heat team just demolish the Bucks in the second round, and you're kind of like, well, what the what the hell? Now we don't get. Giannis versus LeBron in the finals or like, you know, Giannis versus like the Celtics and the, like, we didn't get, we, I feel like we kind of got, um, we, we didn't get the best matchup. Although some of those, I mean, some of those series were pretty good. There were some good games. Like the, I mean, even the Nuggets Lakers series, did you really ever think that the Nuggets were going to pull it off and beat the Lakers? I don't, I don't think anyone really thought that anyone, any team was going to beat the Lakers last season, especially after, the Clippers um, lost to the Nuggets in the second round, um, so I think it'll be a I think it'll definitely be a lot different this time around this season. Um, and there there seems to be a lot of like um, a lot of team like it's it's deeper like there are a lot of like the East is actually pretty deep the West like I mean at this point the Dubs are the eight seed, um, which if you're if you're the Lakers and you're the one seed do you want to see Steph Curry in the first round I mean I know I know the Dubs aren't the same team without Clay Thompson, but I, I still kind of am like, mm, I don't know. I don't want to see, I don't want to see, um, what two time MVP in the, in the first round yeah. as an eight seed. Yeah. I think, I think more than anything, it just speaks to the overall depth of talent in the league where, you know, you could like the Warriors are, are not a great team obviously, but they're not a bad team. And if that, if that's your eighth best team in the Western conference, you know, Steph Curry's playing on the eighth best team. That's saying a lot because, you know, normally, you know, historically, at least you're you're getting like the Bobcats or the Brandon Jennings era Bucks as as your eight seed, uh, you know, who typically just roll over in four or five games and you move on. And yeah, I I, I still wouldn't pick an eight one upset, you know, because I, I think the top seeds, you know, whoever they are, whether it's in the East, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, one of the L.A. teams, even Utah out West, they're strong. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like things are just more stacked up overall. Um, kind of speaking to that parody, have there been any teams or players that you just have not been able to figure out, uh, when it comes to betting? I mean, for a while, the heat, the heat have been kind of tough. The heat, they're starting to play better right now. Um, early on the Cavaliers were a team where they yes. were actually like, they were like the, nothing against the Cavs. Cause you always have this, there's this built in thing with the Cavs when they don't have LeBron James that you just like expect them to be really bad and like on paper their roster like heading into the season really wasn't I mean they have they had Andre Drummond Kevin Love when he was healthy like they had some depth and they had some young guys like I I I like Colin Sexton a lot I think Colin Sexton's gonna be gonna be great and he's one of those guys one of those young guards that like he can just sort of fill it up and I I love players like that in the NBA um but the Cavs early on they were covering a lot of spreads and it's kind of gotten a little bit sharper lately, and obviously they haven't been playing particularly well. But early on, it was like 
the first like five or six games, it was like, oh, Cavs getting Cavs getting eight points, Cavs getting nine points, and they were like winning games. And you're just like, when is this going to adjust? Um, who else? I mean, the Rockets post James Harden trade. Did anyone really think that they would sort of be hanging around? Like they're two games out of no, they're one and a half games out of a playoff spot. Um, so they've they've sort of been a little tough to get a gauge on. Um, the yeah. Pelicans have been tough too. Um, go ahead, Alex. Uh, I mean, yeah, Rockets are interesting because they they've also been like missing guys too, right? Like Christian Wood's been out for a while. DeMarcus Cousins is a guy who it feels like hey, talk about someone that I cannot figure out for props all the time. Like some <laughs> nights he'll play like 30 minutes, 35. Other night he'll play 22. Um, he had like that monster game. But yeah, I mean, the, the Pelicans too. Lonzo Ball decided he's good again. There's just like a lot of, you know, like these, these, it, it feels like one player can swing these teams like into like the middle of the pack from the bottom or vice versa. And the Rockets, the Rockets have been resting guys the last, like, right. I think Oladipo rested a couple of games ago, and um, John Wall's been in and out of the lineup, and I feel like they're trying really hard to tank, right? Because that's, like, that's got to be their mindset at this point. Like, let's go after, like, Cade or, like, one of the other young guys that's coming. Because this, this upcoming draft should actually be pretty loaded at the top. I think there's a lot of good players. So if you're the Rockets, like you kind of want to get down there, we'll lose some games, like, and I don't, it's, Victor Old, like they're 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 one of the few teams that like, I think Steven Silas is just like, guys, you're gonna play hard for me, like it's like a mini Tibbs kind of thing, and and they're just like, all right, we'll play defense, and 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 yeah. like, Christian Wood's been a really, uh, I I can't get a, I can't, I still can't yeah. wrap my mind around the whole Christian Wood Pistons thing and all that, right. Um, it's it, been very, it's been very difficult. I have Chris, I have Christian Wood on my fantasy team though, um, which is, which until he got hurt was, was very fruitful. I was, I was happy yeah. about that pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just, just stuff like, like tonight we have Heat Rockets. The Rock, the Heat are playing well. They're missing some guys. The Rockets, like, I, they don't have Christian Wood, but like, I don't really know, I don't know exactly what to make of this kind of game. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I, anything could happen. Like, would you be surprised if the Heat blew them Rockets out? No. Would, would you be surprised if the Rockets hung in there and picked up a win? I don't think so either. No. I mean, talk about a game that like I have absolutely no read on. Like you're, you're like you're kind of alluding to like, we do the we do like everyday gambling articles, and I looked at this Heat Rockets game. I was like, yeah, I can't even I can't even address this game. Um, like it's not, I have no idea on the spread for posterity is heat minus two and a half, which is like, it feels like, you know, that's kind of a toss up. Yeah. Well, this is just one example. You could, you could say this about like 80% of the games on, on a Wednesday <laughs> or a Friday when there's 12 or 13 on the slate. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's like, what, a, like you kind of have to go with momentum at this point, I think. And that's sort of like, I wrote up the heat rockets game. It's on DraftKings nation. We do. We do these like spread picks um, for some of the like marquee matchups every night. So basically, just a pick against the spread and a player prop. And I was like, Heat, the Heat are playing better basketball. Um, the Rockets are without Christian Wood. Uh, Jimmy Butler's actually Jimmy Butler's turn. Jimmy Butler's turning it around. I think he's sort of just been banged up. He was one of those guys. He must have just been. He was probably dead after the after the playoffs last. Um, and then like the quick turnaround just wasn't good on him early on in the season and like he's sort of starting to turn it on. So I feel like we're going to start to see the heat make a push up into the like playoff picture. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's sort. But like that's it's it's not even it's almost like narrative based, right? It's almost like oh, Jimmy Butler looks good. The Heat sort of need a win. They're on a rule. They're they're heading into a long West Coast road trip. Like if they lose to the Rockets now, it's just I think they play like the Jazz, the Dubs, the Clippers, probably the Lakers in the next like four or five games. So if they lose this game, they could easily drop three or four, three or five, and they're no, they're they're losing ground again. So I feel like it's more of a narrative-based pick on the spread, like sense of urgency kind of thing. Yeah, it is kind of hard to like isolate how good teams actually are. Like we were talking about that in context of season-long fantasy, but also like you look at even if you want to go back and like look at teams' game logs or look at players' game logs, it's like, well, who is even available for either team on in these games? You know, like what are their what is their right. real record? Well, that's the thing. It's like when you if you want to cite a season long defensive rating, for example, for the Houston Rockets, how many different versions of the Rockets have there been? You know, there was the James Harden when he tried for a few games. There was the James Harden when he wasn't trying for a few games. There's the post James Harden when Victor Oladipo was out. Um, There's now this version with Oladipo wall in sometimes Eric Gordon in sometimes now Christian Wood is out like we haven't we haven't had more than like a three game sample of of any of these iterations of, of a team and you know, we're, we're starting to creep toward the halfway point. Yeah. I mean, like, could you like, let's, let's go down. the. Is there any team that like, which, what is the team that has lost the least amount of like man games this season? I think like, it's the, just, I think it's the Bucks actually. It's, it's gotta be right. Like up until this, up until now where Drew yeah. Holiday's missed the last couple the, of games. Maybe the Lakers so. too. Yeah. The Lakers I, really haven't missed anybody. I mean, Davis has missed some time, but yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I would, Bucks would probably be the team I would I would point to as well. New Orleans has been pretty healthy. Um, Utah, I guess, right? Yeah. I don't think like up yeah, until well, now, now they're down Conley. Yeah, up until like recently with Conley, like they've been pretty they've been pretty healthy the the whole season. But like you can look at every single the Kings, the Kings are the team yeah. that everyone's been fine and they're actually like good <laughs> for once, for the first time uh, in like 15 years. All right, let's yep. look at some props. Um, unless you have you have anything else, Alex? No, no, I don't. I don't want to get. I was thinking about starting a king discussion, and then I quickly pulled back on that. Well, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Hey, we we, we can bring it back. I was gonna I was gonna parlay this into talking about rookie of the year first. Oh. Um, and we okay. have we have Lamelo Ball, who it feels like day by day he just like continues to gradually add to his odds, and he's now minus four hundred on the DK Sportsbook. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, Alex and I had did a long talk on this pod about Lamelo versus Tyrese Halliburton for this award. And those two guys in my mind, at least have still separated themselves uh, as the top two. And we both kind of made the case at the time that Halliburton's efficiency would put him over the top for us compared to ball who, you know, this is before he was in the starting lineup um, was playing well, but you know, was hovering around 40% from the field. Uh, wasn't shooting it all that well. And, and obviously over these last five or six games um, he's really kind of flipped the narrative, but uh, you know, to you, how, how close is it? you know, ball versus Halliburton and, and speaking of Halliburton, how impressed have you been with him versus what you thought he would be coming out of Iowa state? So I think they're closer. I think between in inner, in inner circles and like basketball people and people who watch people who watch the games, I think it's, it should be a lot closer than it is right now. Um, like you mentioned, uh, Devonte Graham getting hurt and ball getting into the starting lineup. And now he's like finally sort of like in the spotlight, not coming off the bench. Um, that's helped him a lot. Uh, he's just more flashy, right? Like you, there's there's just nights where like it seems like every night he's throwing a alley oop to to Miles Bridges, and it gets in the highlights, and people are like, oh my god, Lamelo is insane. 
I think he has more flash, but like you said, Tyrese Halliburton's um, been more efficient. You could make the argument for both sides that they've helped both teams improve tremendously. Like the Hornets are looking like they'll prob- probably be a borderline playoff team. The Kings are in the same uh, sort of discussion. And you can say like, oh, it's De'Aaron Fox taking a big step uh, for the Hornets. They got H- Gordon Hayward and they're a little bit deeper. Um, but I mean, you really can't. You, like Tyrese Halliburton's been fantastic. Um, Lamelo Ball, like they've both impacted the teams so much um, in in very similar roles, which I think is is really interesting. Um, we get two guys that were sort of what both drafted in the lottery. Um, Halliburton, I was really Halliburton, I was really high on coming out of Iowa State. I loved him. I thought he was like prototypical. Like that's the guy I want on my NBA team. Just uh, not even he's not even positionless like but he but you can like easily throw lineups out there where he's running the point playing off the ball or even playing like the three in certain sets because he's so talented and he's a great passer and you know just great overall player so I was re- I was really upset when the Bulls went with Patrick Williams at number four and not Halliburton um yeah. was, no go I- ahead I was just about to ask you about that because I feel like teams passed on Halliburton because he was kind of viewed as like this maybe low ceiling, high floor prospect. And that's not a guy you like want at number four. But then again, the bull, like, so the bulls drafting Patrick Williams is kind of <laughs> insane. When you think about like that same argument, uh, Patrick Williams was like the, he was the Billy Donovan pick, you know, like a guy, a guy who you, you like Patrick Williams ceiling was always going to be like a guy that was going to play defense. He's going to play tough. He's like, but he didn't, he didn't, Patrick Williams doesn't have any ceiling to me. Um, he's been a, he's been a pleasant surprise, I would say. He's right. been better than I thought. Uh, Cause like, it's always tough rookie coming into the league, especially cause he's a young, I think he, what, he was really young. Like, I think he's still 19 or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's like 19 um, and a half. Yeah. So coming in and starting and playing big minutes and generally matching up against, you know, one of the, the opposition's better scores on on most nights um like i think he was guarding zion against the pelicans what was that last night uh so yeah i mean that's always tough but halliburton i i thought halliburton had this like i thought he had a ceiling that no one really saw like just Mm. looking at his highlights he could run the floor like a madman he can shoot he can finish like he can pass he could just do everything and he had the he had the size right he's what like six five six six which is just perfect size for a two guard combo guard. And in certain lineups, he's, he can, he can play the three and the Kings can run. I don't, I haven't watched too much Kings basketball this season. So you guys may have a better hold on this, but if I'm, (laughs) (laughs) yourself, if I'm, if I'm the Kings, like I'm rolling, I'm rolling De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal and, um, and Tyrese Halliburton lineups out there all day and just let them run wild. Like, put Heald on the wing. You have two guys. Like, I realize, like, De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton both sort of play well with the ball in their hands and, and creating. But when you have two of those guys on the court at the same time, it's not like either of them are bad shooters. Both of them can shoot the ball a little bit. So, like, you can take turns of them, like, going back and forth. Like, I I feel like that's just – it's it's really, really – like, I the Kings, man. The, King, the Kings are on the up. Um, I mean, at least they are closing – with those guys generally, you know, they usually mm-hmm. go Holmes, Barnes, healed at the three and then Halliburton Fox, which has worked out really well for them. Um, I mean, they have, they have taken a couple of close losses, but I mean, I think at one point they had one, so like six out of seven or even seven out of eight. 
I think so. Yeah, and to to your point, like I I just looked up that that lineup, the Fox Halliburton healed lineup. The most common version of that lineup, which Nick you mentioned, contains also Barnes and Holmes, is plus twenty per one hundred possessions. So like that's clearly the, the lineup mm-hmm. that they should be using. And so maybe Luke Walton is just experimenting a little less, going with what works. Because early in the season he was playing Marvin Bagley at the five. And those lineups were somewhat like the worst historically bad defensive lineups I've ever seen. Like when looking on, you know, like cleaning the class, it's just some terrible stuff. But yeah, they're 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 in the mix now. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the rookie of the year um, discussion, right. I mean, there there are a lot of guys where you look and like I thought this draft was weak. Um, I think everyone kind of thought it was pretty weak, and we wouldn't get a, a ton of. Uh, a ton of great players or like even good players this early on. But I mean, guys like Emmanuel quickly, Tyrese Maxey has been really good. Cole Anthony had like the clear Cole, Cole, the skies opened up and they were like, Cole Anthony, you can win rookie of the year. Here's the starting, <laughs> here's the starting spot for the magic with Markel Fultz out. And he kind of, I, I don't know what it, he couldn't really take off with it. Yeah, He, he politely um, declined. Yes. He <laughs> declined. Um, I mean, Peyton Pritchard's been surprising. Desmond Bain, Sadik Bay, Xavier Tillman's been good for the for the mm-hmm. Grizzlies. Like, there's been a lot mm-hmm. of guys where, like, if Ball, like before Ball and Halliburton kind of like took off, and like Wiseman was sort of in the mix, there was it was actually pretty close. Like, you could make an yeah. argument for some of these guys, and and like all they really needed was opportunity. That's really like every year with with Rookie of the Year, especially in a draft class like this where. You have some like marquee guys at the top, but it's really pretty. It's really pretty even in like the for most of the ranks, and yeah. you're like, okay, this is pretty close. Like a lot of these guys actually have a pretty legitimate case um, for rookie of the year. I, I think this class has been almost exactly like we expected. You know, I, I think Lamelo has obviously been a lot better than most people, myself included, thought he would be at this juncture. But like, I mean, I was pretty high on Halliburton. Maybe not this high, but I, I thought he would be good. Um, and you know, you've had a couple guys pop like, like quickly and, and maxi, but I mean, for the most part coming in, what was the narrative? It was, you know, this draft maybe doesn't have, uh, you know, an Anthony Davis at the top, but you're, you're going to get maybe 20 good role players out of this class. And that's honestly how I feel about most of them. You know, like there, there's still some star potential with guys like Wiseman, uh, even, even Anthony Edwards has scored the ball pretty well lately. Um, so he, he's somebody to monitor, but like, you know, the Obdias, Desmond Bain, uh, Okoro, Patrick Williams, Precious Achiwa, like all those guys have kind of been able to work their way into a rotation just because so many guys have been absent that we've seen more rookies, you know, playing 15 to 20 minutes over the course of a week or two. Um, and, and most of them have looked pretty competent. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, this was a really weird class to evaluate. But um, on the whole, at least so far, it's it's kind of come out like a lot of people thought it would. Yeah, I, I guess now that I think about it, you're right. And and you make a really good point with all the injuries and all the COVID stuff that rookies have had to step up and and play bigger roles. Like Peyton Pritchard and Precious Achua are, are perfect examples of that. I mean, Desmond Bay and Xavier Tillman, they both look good. Kira Lewis Jr.'s looked looked pretty good. Um, he's a guy that a lot of people were sort of sort of high on. Um, coming in and even a Desmond Bain got a lot of hype early on in the in heading into the draft and he's looking like he'll he'll end up being a, a pretty good role player. But I mean, we gotta talk like quickly and max I mean, you didn't even mention quickly and maxi, and those are the Kentucky guys, and the Kentucky guys always end up being really good. I don't really I don't I, I don't know how to explain it. Um the success rate of Kentucky. I don't know why GMs aren't going into the draft and saying 
We don't really like anyone. We're in the middle of the pack. Let's just take yeah. the best guy from Kentucky on the board and like six. You're gonna have a 60, 70 percent shot that he ends up being like an all-star. Yeah. Counterpoint. <laughs> Scale the Bissier. I mean, there's yes, there are always <laughs> there are always guys in the, from Kentucky that end up not panning out. But I mean. Like I, I had to look and I'm like, Keldon Johnson went to Kentucky and Keldon yeah. Johnson starting for the Spurs and he's looking like he's gonna be, you know, pretty good. Um, the success rate's just kind of, kind of nutty that I don't know why yeah. GMs aren't taking advantage of it. And I mean, like again, quickly is what f- has the fifth best odds on DraftKings Sportsbook to win Rookie of the Year. I know it's a long shot now. Yeah, he's falls. 16 to one. Yeah, he's 16 to one. I mean, Maxi was sort of up there. It's it's a long shot that mm-hmm. any of those guys would win in a shortened season, considering it's like it seems like it's down to a two-man race, if anything. Um, but I mean, it's still you still got to consider like they're they're pretty high up there in the odds um, at this point. All right, let's hit a couple more, and then we'll get you out of here, Ben. Um, cool. We won't spend too much time on this, just because it you know we're we're kind of in that dog days of the middle of the season and. Uh, you know, there's there's been plenty of coverage devoted to the MVP race right now. But uh, looking at the DraftKings odds, LeBron is the favorite, as he has been for the last couple of weeks. He's at plus 250. Got Embiid at four to one. You got Jokic at plus 450. Durant nine to one. Luka ten to one. Giannis twelve to one. Um, I, I guess I'll just ask you straight up. First of all, you know, if you were if you're an MVP voter, I don't. Maybe you are. Are are you an MVP voter? I am not an MVP voter. Okay, full disclosure, neither are we. Uh, but if you were and you had to cast your ballot right now, would you vote for LeBron James? I, th- I think I'd have to. I don't like it. I don't want to because I'm, I mean, bias aside, I, I've i always sort of been against LeBron since he went to Miami. I never, I just didn't really like that move. Um, so if I, if I had to be unbiased, I think you still have to go with LeBron at this point. But I don't think I, it's so tough. This is this has got to be like like I know it's early on in the season, but it's just it's just such a tough decision to make. I feel like it's because he's LeBron though, right? Like you just you just look in like the other two guys that I guess make sense at least as far as the odds are concerned are Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Um, it's it's a lifetime achievement MVP. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to yeah, call it that. Yes. You know, it's like, I mean, <laughs> yes. Alex and I have talked about this over and over. Like, and what I always come back to is it's LeBron's MVP. And this started in like 2008. It's like, he's going to win it by default unless someone takes it from him. And for the most part, someone has, you know, like they're, the guy who's mm-hmm. won it. I, I had no problem with Giannis winning it the last two years. No problem with Harden, Russ, Steph. Like those guys deserved it every single year. And a lot of those years, LeBron was kind of loafing through the regular season. With that said, he has been cumulatively by far the best player in the last decade, it, it's hard to go through and say, well, he should have won this specific MVP, this specific MVP, and this specific MVP. But on the whole, it, it does in general feel like he should have one or two more. And, it, you know, if it comes <laughs> down to it and he's, you know, the numbers are all relatively similar, you know, between he and Bede, Jokic, um, and the Lakers are, are the best team or, or are even, you know, kind of in the same category as those other teams. I think he just wins it by default because his narrative is just so much stronger than those two. You you wanted to mention the Derrick Rose MVP there, didn't you? <laughs> that was one of the ones that LeBron. See, I I was I mean I was always huge Derrick Rose fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, when I was he, okay and I with was, that one, weirdly enough. I was because I understood looking, it would be like if Harden won the MVP this year. It's like I kind of felt like LeBron disqualified himself for a year by going to Miami. Like that was that was fine. I, I think right. he should have gone to White if anybody. Yeah, that's fair. Um, 
But looking back for me now, I'm like, Derek Rose probably shouldn't have won MVP that year. Like, his numbers were, like, okay. Like, he was never, like, an overly efficient um, scorer or anything. It's just the Bulls went from, like, what? They were, like, a 500 team, and then they got all those guys, and they got Tibbs, and then Derek Rose was the best player on the best on the team with the best record kind of thing. And, like, he had, he had the highlights, too. He was making plays, all that stuff. But I, I do think this is kind of – at this point – it's still LeBron James, like, yeah, like you said, lifetime achievement MVP. But I think it has left um, – I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good value, I would, I would think, at this point. I wouldn't count out guys like Luka Doncic and, and Giannis. Um, Doncic is 10-1 to 1 on DKSB. Giannis is 12-1. to 1. Um, The Bucks are – I mean, the Bucks had been playing pretty well. Like, if the Bucks go on one of those runs where they win, like, 15 out of 16 and it's Giannis putting up, like – you know, 35 and 20 every game, that's, that number is going to flip pretty fast, right? He's a two-time MVP. He's the reigning two-time MVP. Um, Doncic was the favorite heading into the season. Uh, he's, he was my pick. Uh, I feel like, Same. I feel like because LeBron is sort of getting this hype that like you said, someone's got to go take it from him. And there's a lot of guys behind him right now that could easily go and take it from him. Um, I think. I'm, I'm with you on there being good value on the board. I think like Durant, for example, probably doesn't have it anymore because of Harden going there. I feel like that almost disqualified Durant because they're going to, people are going to say, well, it's a big three and you know, we can't give an MVP to a guy on a big three that often. Um, but like even Kawhi Leonard, you know, plus 4,000, I don't think he's going to win it, but you look at the case statistically, he should be more in the mix than that. I like, I'm still someone who believes Jokic or Embiid could easily win it. And if you're getting plus 400, plus 450 on those guys, I still think that's solid value. Um, I don't know about you, Nick, but I feel like Giannis is almost like completely out. Um, I feel like the narrative, we're a little more locked in because we're in Wisconsin, but I feel like the narrative mm-hmm. on Giannis has completely shifted into he has to stop. Like every time he takes a three, everyone just like groans. <laughs> and every time he misses it, like I feel like the free throw and three point narrative has completely taken over like Giannis's uh, like M- MVP case. And it's like, no, nah, he can't, he can't win it anymore. He's too bad at free throws. It's that. And it's coming up short in the playoffs, which I, I think is still so fresh yeah. in everyone's mind where, you know, it, I think a lot of the reason that it feels like LeBron should win more MVPs is because at the end of the regular season, it's, it's almost always, I wouldn't say unanimous, but it's, it's usually like at least a 70, 30 split. Like there's not a lot of close MVPs in the NBA. Usually within the last few weeks of the season, it's very clear who's going to win it. And when it's announced, nobody's surprised. After the playoffs, LeBron is usually reminds everyone, oh yeah, this guy's the best player. Whoever won the MVP loses in round one or round two. LeBron, even if he loses in the finals, is playing two to three more rounds than those guys. And then we look back and say like, man, that was kind of silly. And I feel like that's what really happened this year with Giannis. And, and people just haven't been able to let that go. Um, and, and I don't know what it would take. Like, I mean, if he, let's say he averaged like 40 and 20 in the regular season with seven assists or whatever it is. Like, I still think there are people that would be like, I'm not falling for this again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was, I was one of those um, people groaning last night when Giannis was taking um, those three pointers with like Deandre Ayton, like 50 feet away from him, like all the way under the basket. Just like, yeah, go ahead. Take, I just, I, I don't know why he takes those shots. And that like, you guys are kind of, I still think, the, like if the Bucks ran away with the like I, I guess they probably can't run away with the East at this point just because 
you think a Doc Rivers-led Sixers team wouldn't completely, you know, sort of tank down the stretch? And Joel Embiid's just been playing, like, out of a skull. Um, I really like the Kawhi. Um, Alex mentioned Kawhi. I don't know why Kawhi doesn't get more He's Right now, he's very close to 50-40-90, which yeah. is he's the, he's the best value, I think, at 40-1 to 1 by far. Yeah. Yeah, it's 50, 50, 40, 90 is just not what, like, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry do that. Um, I, I don't know who else has, has, has really done that before. Malcolm Brogdon, baby. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi, a lot of value there, I think. Um, it's are, tough. Like, are, are you someone who, so if you, let's say you put a bet on Kawhi 40 to 1, are you someone who will cash that out if the... Uh, if you feel like the odds shift enough and you you guarantee yourself a profit, yeah, I think I would. Just because, yeah. like at this point, it's probably going to be LeBron because what like what would need to happen for LeBron to not win? I think a lot of why LeBron is the favorite right now is because Anthony Davis has sort of been banged up and Anthony Davis isn't really having a great season by his standards. Um, and that's sort of been like, oh well, LeBron's in the spotlight again. He's you know, like the Lakers are putting together these wins and he's getting triple doubles and he's being LeBron. And whenever like that, whenever he does that kind of stuff, everyone's just like, oh, well, he's the greatest, greatest basketball player ever. Like, boom. And then that's, that's sort of what shot his odds up, I think, because I mean, what like, a couple of weeks ago, he was 10 to one back in January, even December, he was like nine, to, nine to one, 12 to one. Um, and then kind of just like, Came out of nowhere, went from 10 to 1 to plus 350, and now he's the favorite. Um, and it's a little, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's sort of at this point his award to lose. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And, and the Kawhi thing will be interesting to monitor just because I think he's been an automatic cross off for, for these last few years just because he misses so many games. And both he and LeBron have gone the opposite way. Like if there was ever a season when it would have been excusable for those guys to sit you know, 30% of, of the regular season, it would be this one. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Kawhi's playing back-to-backs. LeBron is playing 40-plus minutes, going into overtime every night, suiting up the next night. Like, it I, it definitely feels like LeBron is making a concerted effort to go for the MVP. I, I don't know if Kawhi is doing the same. I'm not even sure he's aware that the MVP award exists. Doesn't really <laughs> seem like something he would care about. Um, but it, it, it has been surprising. I, I think that's what kind of makes Kawhi such an intriguing candidate is the numbers have always been there it's just been like okay are we we going to give it to the guy who played 78 games or the guy who played 62 games and all of a sudden this year I mean Kawhi I mean especially depending on how many games uh you know guys miss or you know postponements I don't think it's going to be a huge disadvantage for him this year uh looking at the games played column no it's it's a yeah it it helps him and and does does defense not matter at all when considering MVP like I know I know LeBron's a like when LeBron wants to, he can be a good. He's a good defender, right? Like he's Joel Embiid's a good defender. Um, you know, Giannis obviously is a is a strong. But like Kawhi, you're 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 playing on both ends, night in night out. He's playing the games. Like his stats are there. The Clippers are gonna probably finish like top three in the West. Um, you could argue. I mean, you, the Clippers are deep. They're a deep team, but. A lot of it has been Paul George and Kawhi this season, I feel like. Like, Lou Williams has sort of fallen off a cliff. He's not really the scorer that he used to be. They lost Montrezl Harrell um, to the Lakers. Uh, they picked up some guys, and they're 
pretty deep, but it's still like really just Kawhi and Paul George. Um, I feel like so. I mean, I if do if what happens if the Clippers overtake the Lakers and the Jazz and go on a run and win the West? Like, does Kawhi does Kawhi get enough for like is that enough for Kawhi to win MVP if he puts up like close to 50, 40, 90, and you know averages like twenty six, twenty seven points a game? Like, I don't know. Is that enough? I I don't know. Like you said, there, there's such a hole. I mean, he's forty to one. I, I feel like he should be he should be like ten to one right now. And it's At just least. such a, there's so much ground to make up that I feel like by the time people realize like oh my god, this guy's only missed two games in the last three months and his numbers are just as good as LeBron's. Like, I think by the time like the national media comes around on that it might be too late. And I also think he's suffering from some of the same, you know, kind of post disappointing playoff loss hangover that, that Giannis is where everybody was all over Kawhi last year coming off the Toronto title. And then the way that they collapsed in that Denver series, I I think his stock kind of shot down um, to the point that, that he kind of has to climb out of that hole a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like, is like, we haven't talked about Dame or Steph, at all right. and they're 28 to 1 and 16 to 1 and i wanted to mention steph but i'm just like a lot of it's just him doing steph things where he's just going bonkers on a night and like the warriors really aren't that good a team and like he's not elevating them into that upper echelon in the west so there's no way that he can really win mvp and dame like i like dame's the same thing right like every now and then dame will score 50 points and let us know that he's around, but then, you know, the Blazers will drop like three, four games in a row. They'll like barely be a playoff team. And like Kawhi's just sitting there at 40 to one, like, Hey, like I'm the best player on one of the best teams in the West. Like what, like, like what gives? Um, I know Alex mentioned Durant before Durant isn't going to get Durant's not going to get the games. Um, even if he, cause he was kind of, he was kind of making a pretty decent case before the James Harden trade. Yep. when Kyrie was kind of out and it was just Durant and like I was saying like why did they trade for James Harden when Durant literally could have dragged that Karis LeVert Jarrett like all those guys you could have had all those guys and Kevin Durant and he probably could have dragged them to the finals I think yeah I mean he's his his the 18 games that he's played have been incredible like he's 30 points a game on 19 shots like a, you know, almost two and a half combined steals yeah, and blocks. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's he didn't really miss a beat at all, right? Like he, everyone was like, oh, the Achilles, blah blah blah, and it hasn't hasn't really bothered him at all. And he's on it. Like honestly, if he if he wasn't missing so many games, this would probably be like let's probably be one of his best seasons ever. At this, like he he'd be on pace to have his best season since what like 2014. Um, I'd not, I'm not entirely sure if that's the year you won MVP. I'm, I'm, I imagine that's probably right. That's gotta be, or is that a LeBron year? It's gotta be LeBron. LeBron won it in 11, 12 and 12, 13. Okay. I think it, I think KD was 13, 14 and then Steph was the next two. Okay. Yeah. So this, yeah, Durant was on pace to basically have his best season since the MVP. And and he's shooting and he's shooting an insane he's shooting almost 45 percent from three, which is just absurd. So I think if Durant was playing every night and the Nets were a little bit better that you could make a case for it. I don't think he's going to get I don't think he's going to get the games and I don't think he should really be. I think it's just like out of respect here, Kevin Durant, you're nine to one kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, let's finish up on this. And I, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper, but we spent some more time on MVP, which is totally fine. That that was great. 
Um, make your case for who you believe should win the NBA's most improved player award, which is significantly more uh, contested than it typically is. Oh, baby. I, this, this, this kills me. It pains me so much. Um, it's Jalen Brown, I think seven to one. Um, generally, and he's, he's a little bit over, he's a little older for this kind of award. I think maybe not older, but I feel like a lot of the times you see players and it's in the third year players jump in the third year from like being like a border, like, like a pretty good rotation guy starter into an all-star player. Um, Jalen Brown's been sneaky. Like he's been really good this season. Um, and the Celtics haven't been, the Celtics have kind of underperformed, but again, you're dealing with, uh, with everything going on. Like Marcus Smart's been hurt. Like Kemba Walker was out for most of the first part of the season. I mean, Jalen Brown's what, like top 10 and top 10 in scoring. Um, he's have, he's been insanely efficient. Um, like <laughs> his shooting splits are like, I didn't think, I didn't think he could really build on um, his three-point shooting, but he's shooting for like 43% from three. He's averaging almost seven more points a game. Uh, again, he's, his, his efficiency has been really good. He's sort of been like, I think, I think last season you were like, okay, Jason Tatum's the best player on the Celtics. Jalen Brown's his like sort of number two kind of thing. And I feel like now it's more a one, a one B situation. And I think Jalen Brown's a lock to be an all-star this season. Um, which again, if you're looking for most improved play, like if you look back at the list of most improved players, it's generally guys that go from not being an all-star to being an all-star, um, almost every single time. So I think at this point, um, third best odds on DKSB, I would, I would go with Jalen Brown. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my worry is that he hasn't, like, I feel like the jump might not be big enough from what he did last year. Like I, Seven points a game and better efficiency, like that's really good. It's for a winning team. I just I worry that people are going to look at basically what Jeremy Grant did going from a role player to like he might make the All Star team in the East, and I feel like that jump is just bigger. So my the thing the thing for me with Jeremy Grant is is it because Jeremy Grant is this good, or is it because the Pistons are just not is it because he's getting the opportunity right he's playing 36 minutes a game on a bad team like if you put jeremy grant on a better team is he is he still like i don't th i don't think we look at jeremy grant in the same light if he's still on the nuggets and he's you know i think he'd still be i think he'd still be starting on the nuggets right he'd probably start over michael porter jr um at the three uh, if he's starting for the Nuggets and he's behind and he's playing with Jokic and Jamal Murray and he's not getting all this usage and he's not scoring as much, um, do we look at Jeremy Grant in the same light? Would be my argument against him. I I'm I'm with you on that. Like I I think it's just tough to say like because he is he is doing this now. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say. Um, I, I get what you mean. So would you be more inclined to bet Christian Wood over Jeremy Grant then? Because he's on a team and he has a big uh, role. Because he's I, also playing with Oladipo and John Wall, and they're winning some games. It's, tr it's true. But, I mean, even even early on, I mean, early on in the season, Christian Wood was like, he looked really good. He, like, before, like, I know James Harden was, like, not really, like, it was, like, pre-trade James Harden, but... Christian Wood was the best player on the Rockets for that stretch, I think. Um, 
like not on paper because obviously it's James Harden, but like Christian Wood was playing out of his out of his skull. And I think the injury right now, I think him being out has right. obviously hurt a lot. Um, but I don't think like looking at the numbers, I don't think Jeremy Grant should be that big a favorite to win most improved player um, okay. over some of these guys. He is a very big favorite. It, it does yeah. feel like a little much, at least on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add that I'm I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think it should be that close. I, I think the case for Grant and the case for Wood are pretty similar, where it, it's more of the classic most improved player of you know going from 20 minutes a night to a, a much bigger role than 35 minutes a night, and just kind of by default, you know your numbers are going to rise. Whereas it, it feels like the player who maybe has actually made the most improvement is Jalen Brown. You know, because I, I think the bar was higher for him the last couple of years, but he's also taken it up another level. And and if you look at some of the more recent winners, it had they have been more of the Jalen Brown types, like guys who were already good and then became great, as opposed to guys who went from role player to just you know good starter. Uh, and maybe maybe I'm selling Jeremy Grant short a little bit, but um, it, it just I don't know. It, it feels a little bit hollow doing it on that team. Um, but at the same time, the efficiency has been great. So you know, it's not like he's doing this, throwing up 20 shots a night, shooting 40 percent. That's true. Yeah. He's like, again, Jeremy Grant's a great player, but I just think, I, I think the bad team kind of argument hurts him a little bit. Like I would, I would lean wood. Um, I don't know how like the voting, I don't know how the voters will sort of look at it. Um, again, I think the all-star, I think all-star voting will impact it a lot. Like if Christian Wood ends up missing out on the all-star game, I think that'll definitely hurt his stock a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, like, I'll throw. I'll throw. I know we're. I know we've taken up a lot of time. I'll throw it along. Like De'Aaron Fox, does he make a run at eighty to one? I, I think he playing, can. He's been I, playing I think, insane right now. Right. I, I think if you're just looking at the last month, I mean, he he's right there with Jeremy Grant. And this typically isn't an award where, like, with the MVP, you're not going to win MVP being Zach Levine on the the Bulls. You know, twenty games below five hundred, hey, but. Hey. <laughs> I was hey I did, I did, you took some shots at LeBron I could take some shots at the Bulls fair fair uh, fair <laughs> um but with most approved it, it it doesn't really matter like team context doesn't matter but I think if like that's that's Jaron Fox's case like his, his numbers could be great I don't know that they'll be great enough that it would that those alone would boost him over Wood and Grant or even Jalen Brown but if he's the sole reason that the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs for the first time in forever I, I think that narrative could end up being pretty powerful you know, three, four months down the road. Oh yeah. Like his, his last five games, he's averaging close to 32 points and nine assists um, and shooting above 50% from the, from the floor. So like, I feel like, right. I feel like right now, if he, he's not going to keep that up. Right. But if he, if he can, if he can really like, if he can sort of have those games and get, like you said, the, the Kings make the playoffs kind of narrative, and he ends up finishing like like stats aside like De'Aaron Fox like he's gonna be an All Star I think at this point um, if the, if that's the case um, and if you're just looking at the trends he's in that like three it's his fourth fourth season three four seasons and you take that jump from being a pretty good starter to being an All Star it just sort of fits the formula so if I was going long shot I think De'Aaron Fox at eighty to one isn't a bad bet. All right, man. Feels like a good place to, to finish out. Uh, I feel like if we if we dive into any other props, that's going to tack on another 20 to 30 minutes. But Probably. we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we, we got interview reports coming out. Uh, we, we just can't risk running any longer. But we should make this more of a routine thing, man. This is this has been great. Yeah, I would love to come on again. This has been a lot of fun. Um, 
I, I, I tend to ramble a lot. I'm sorry, but it's, I just get oh, really, no, so I, I get really, I get really amped up. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> like I'm generally just on Slack talking about it and, and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, um, this has been great. I'd love to come on again. Yeah. Anytime, man. We'll, we'll be in touch. Uh, anything you want to plug on your end for, for DK nation? Um, just head over to the site. We got everything, everything you need. If you're a sports better playing DFS, um, literally any, just a sports fan. We have a lot of just evergreen content too. So head over there and, uh, the DraftKings YouTube channel has the dream stream going on. We got NBA pre-lock, uh, happening. I think it's like three, three days, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So yeah, check out all that great content. We have a lot of great writers over at DraftKings Nation, a lot of great people working working around the clock. Um, so yeah, just uh, trying to get the word out and yeah, go check out the website. All right. Thank you again to Ben Zweiman. Excellent chatting with him. We'll certainly have him on uh, hopefully many more times throughout the season, but uh, we hope you enjoyed that one uh, as much as Alex and I did. Uh, ben is always a great guest. That does it for me. For this week, uh, Alex will be back on Friday with Ken and Shannon. As always, uh, Alex and I will be back next Tuesday, and then we'll have James Anderson back on the pod next Thursday. Enjoy the weekend.